Disney Deciphered, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. In today's episode, we talk about concierge level on Disney Cruise Line and whether it's worth it. Find old episodes of this podcast at DisneyDeciphered.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you find podcasts. And we'd really appreciate it if you'll leave us a positive review. If you'd like to support the podcast, check us out on Patreon.com slash DisneyDeciphered, where you'll receive bonus content. You can also support the podcast at no cost to you by using me as your travel agent. Get started by emailing josephchung at travelmation.net. If you have any questions for us, email us DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, tweet at us at www.deciphered on Twitter, or find us on Facebook and Instagram, Disney Deciphered. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Joe from As the Joe Flies. And I'm Leslie from Trips with Tykes. And welcome back to Disney Deciphered. So on today's episode, uh, we will be reviewing Disney Cruise Line concierge level on the Disney Dream and my experience with it and talk about whether it's worth it. Although, Leslie, as always, the question of whether something... Okay, yes, it's not. Monetarily, objectively, it's not, probably, if you add things up. But also, when you're talking about whether something is worth it, especially when you're in the subjective areas like concierge and club level and stuff like that the answer is always what besides no (laughs) um i don't know it depends on your who you are and how much money you have (laughs) yeah it depends on who you are how much money you have but also depends on like what you're looking for right because when you're talking about luxury splurges it's really beauty is in the eye of the beholder and it depends like we can't tell you whether it's worth it or not for you or your family but we'll talk about the experience and what my family got out of sailing concierge level on the disney dream and you know you can judge for yourself whether you thought that was worth it or not and we'll have some numbers for you as well but before we get to that we did talk about the experience a lot already on patreon and we have some new patreon supporters to thank right leslie That's right. We are thanking new supporters Lauren and Krista S. If you want to join our Patreon supporter group, you can go to patreon.com slash Disney Deciphered, where we have different levels. And of course, we're always putting out extra bonus content for our patrons. Thank you so much to new and old subscribers. We really, really do appreciate your support. All right. So normally we end with how much things cost, but I thought to mix things up, we would just start with how much concierge level is an upcharge. Now I ran a bunch of numbers on cruises for next year and the percentages were pretty similar, but Leslie, before I run through the numbers in case people don't want to listen to all the boring numbers, can you give us the bottom line on in general, how much people can expect concierge to cost more than the already costly Disney cruise line fares? Sure. So the TLDR is, it's a very wide span It's at least 35% more, and it's maybe up to 130% more of a regular room cost, depending upon your family size and circumstances and the particular sailing and ship. You know, I only checked like four or five sailings, and I should also say that I did not go all the way up to the Royal Suite, which, if I can remember correctly, was like 300% more or something like that but the but the royal suite or like you know the disney wish now you can have like a two-story suite like in the funnel oh my gosh my son would lose his mind like just being on the aqueduct in the funnel already was super exciting for him so it can get pretty pricey so you know you probably want to know what like the bottom end is 35 percent 
I got to say, and I'll start running through the numbers now, is the upcharge from what my family would pay because traveling as a family of five, we really do tend to get two staterooms these days, unless maybe if we're going on a three-day cruise, we jam in all five of us into one. But it's 35% more going from a two separate staterooms, non-concierge, to a five-person stateroom and jamming in to that one in concierge. But in general, it's probably like you got, you're really thinking about starting from 50%. But, you know, there's always what you were already willing to pay and, you know, you can do calculations. Okay, let me just get to the numbers. All right, so I took a look at we traveled over President's Week. So I looked for President's Week sailing on the Dream like we did. Now, it's not apples to apples because, number one, the prices go up. But also, number two, next year during President's Week, it's a five-night sailing with a Marvel Day at Sea. But looking at my family of five, one veranda room for five of us was going to be about $8,000. Two veranda rooms for the five of us, you know, split up, was going to be about $9,219. And one veranda room for concierge with all of us jamming in was going to be about $12,000. So about a 50% upcharge from if we just jammed into one room and 33% from if we jammed into two rooms, you know, give or take um, a couple percentages. I wanted to check a non-holiday sailing. It's a little bit cheaper. One room for five on the February 4th sailing, which is the exact same sailing, but not on President's Week, was $6,200 for us jamming into one veranda room, $7,300 for us spreading out between two veranda rooms. And then one one veranda room jamming in for five in concierge was going to be about $9,900. So again, it's 50% more or 36% more, depending on whether our family was thinking about one or two rooms. And then one bedroom concierge, so one bedroom suite, which is actually what we sailed on the Disney dream that was getting close to $13,000. So that's actually like 105% more expensive than if we had just jammed into one room. So as you can see, it gets expensive really quickly. And just to double check, you know, I checked also a sailing on the wish and that was going to be about a 70% upcharge for concierge, uh, going all the way up to 130% for a one bedroom suite. So it is expensive. Um, and like I said, if you add the numbers up, like if you say early boarding is worth this much and getting a reservation for a cabana is worth this much, minus the cost you pay for the cabana, you know, it's not going to add up. So that's what prices look like for next year on the few dates that I checked. Very similar to the prices we paid. Um, you know, we did a four night, so it was cheaper than that, but it was pretty close to that plus you know, inflation and all that for 2024 sailings. Leslie, can you give everyone a quick reminder about the sailing we did and, you know, what stateroom we had in concierge, et cetera, et cetera? Sure. So I know that you sailed out of Miami. This is not a test this time, right? I hope. <laughs> and you were on a four night uh, cruise on the Disney Dream, uh, stop at Nassau, stop at Castaway Key, and a sea day. And you were extra bougie this trip. You stayed in a one-bedroom suite in concierge. And the ship you were sailing on was pretty much at capacity, right? Because it was, was President's Week. Uh, yeah, so it was 3,972 passengers. That's what um, one of the cast members told us, which was 40 less than the sailing before us, but pretty much at capacity. Oh, the other thing that I forgot to mention was... Who knows if next year they're going to offer the same Disney Plus discount for guests three and four, um, which guests three and four sailed free, uh, except for taxes and port fees this year. That was not available for my sailing, so I didn't like, but it would have been even more expensive to sail concierge because concierge did not 
qualify for that. I don't know whether they're going to like, I was shocked that they had that deal this year in 2023. It worked. The ship was completely full. Um, we'll see if they have that again next year. If they do, then of course the prices are, you know, just going to be much more expensive to sail in concierge. All right. So the concierge, I guess, experience starts before you even get on the ship. So about 130 days, you know, four, four and a half months in advance of our sailing, someone from the concierge team reached out to me through email and they were like, email us what things you want, like a various bunch of things that you can pre-book and we will take care of that for you when your booking window opens, which for concierge is 120 days. So all the stuff that you reserve before you get on the ship, I didn't have to worry about. I was able to just send it to the concierge team and they took care of that for me. So can you remind us, Leslie, you know, what are the various things that can be booked before you actually get onto the ship? Sure. So you can book all of your adult specialty dining reservations, alcohol tasting, shore excursions, cabanas like you did uh, at Castaway Key. You can book um, spa appointments and then also Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique for your kids. And then 30 days like at online check-in. Didn't you you just did your online check-in last, last night? Last night, right? yeah. Last <laughs> for your cruise. So so there are like other things that you can book at that 30-day online check-in. And what did you book anything yesterday? I did. I booked the Royal Gathering, which is like a princess meet and greet um, that is super, super popular. I don't even know if my kids want to do it, but I just booked it. So we'll see if we end up doing it. But yeah, you can book that at the 30-day mark as well as the Royal Tea and the concierge team will do this for you if you are staying in concierge level. If you're staying in Leslie level, then you uh, are doing it yourself at uh, nine o'clock at night Pacific time. Thank goodness for once the time zone difference works in my favor because it opens at midnight Eastern time. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And just the, the royal gathering that Leslie is doing is just four princesses in the atrium take pictures. That royal tea, I actually happened upon it. I think that costs money. It's like a, you know, it's it's like the tea that used to be, I don't think it's back yet, at the Grand Floridian. Everyone dresses up fancy, et cetera, et cetera. You know, the adults cost more, but the adults have to bring the kids. So, you know, you're going to pay. So those are the stuff that you can pre-book. I, Leslie pre-booked a cabana, which we will talk about, Remy dinner, Paolo brunch. Actually, I had Paolo dinner, but I dropped it like, you know, way before we ever got on the cruise. Paolo dinner is very easy to get, by the way. It's Paolo brunch that's difficult. And then uh, I did a few alcohol tastings. Uh, I think that was it. We didn't do, I asked my wife if she wanted to go to the spa and she said, no, uh, I'm good. So we didn't do that. And we did not book any excursions. Well, the cabana was an excursion, but we didn't book any excursions at NASA or anything like that. So the other thing that um, benefit that you get pre-ship for concierge is has to do with your boarding group and your port arrival time, which are two different things. So the port arrival time is when Disney says you can show up at the port and they will actually like let you in the port. Like if you're too, there too early, they make you stand outside. I can't believe, I can't remember if it's pre or post security, but you're going to be waiting around. You can't get into like the terminal itself, but then you also have a boarding group and you can't get onto the ship. So port arrival time is when you can get into the terminal boarding group is like when you can get into the ship. Well, concierge, you're always boarding group one and you can also arrive at the port whenever. Since you just did this yesterday, Leslie, what did you end up getting for port arrival time and boarding group? Although I think you may have taken my advice. 
I did. Yeah. So we are staying at a, a, a nice hotel before our cruise, um, the, the Hotel Del Coronado in San Diego. So because of that, we wanted to spend as much time at the hotel <laughs> before we board. So we booked a 1.30, a Puerto Raville time. And I believe we got boarding group E. I think that's right. So um, we shall see whether that is a gamble that pays off or not. But we're just kind of hoping to dodge the craziness of the beginning boarding and the crowds and, and sort of, you know, have shorter lines at that point getting on later. We'll see if it works. I think boarding groups are numbers now. Or at oh. least my last two have been Something's numbers. E. Maybe, well, maybe E is uh, is the muster station. I don't know. Going? Well, whatever. <laughs> we'll see. It, it doesn't matter. I mean, Leslie took my advice and... I generally say, especially you're going to be on a five-night cruise, there's kind of no rush to get on the boat. In your case, you have a nice hotel before, but if you're in a nice city before and there's somewhere you can like leave your bags and it's not going to be inconvenient to get to the port, just get to the port later. You're not going to be like fighting with a million people at Cabanas for lunch, and it's just going to be a much smoother entrance onto the ship. You're not waiting in lines, um, which brings me to, ironically... When we got there for check-in, we got there around 11.10, you know, and the earliest port arrival time is 11 o'clock. The concierge line, well, it was only one person. There was one family ahead of us, but we watched like 10 families go through the regular line for check-in. You know, it's it's like TSA pre-check sometimes where uh, you see people going, but I always say, I'm still going to stay in TSA pre-check because I'm not taking off my shoes and taking my laptop out of my bag. But it was kind of funny. Like we got served after 10, it was like 10 families went um, while we were waiting for that one family that was in front of us in the concierge line. But after that, it was very smooth getting onto the ship. And I think this is one of the huge benefits of concierge. They said that we could go to a lounge quote unquote, before we got on the ship. That was not a lounge. That was just a separate area of the terminal. And it just felt like an airline or cruise terminal or whatever. But when the ship was open for boarding, you know, we were one of the first dozen families to get on there. And not only was that super easy, we barely had to line up and it wasn't like a crazy cattle call. Um, and there wasn't any like gate lice or anything like that, that we had to worry about as people are waiting for the boarding groups to be called. It's just like an airline. On top of that, we did not have to go up to Cabanas. I mean, we could have if we wanted to, but we were basically like when we got on the ship, Leslie, I don't know if you remember, but when you get on the ship, you tell them your family's name, they announce you, but it was like Captain Mickey and Captain Minnie, a couple of characters were there and like all these officers were lined up. They were funneling us to Royal Palace, which is the restaurant that is at atrium level. And they were just like, hi, hi. And then just we walked straight into Royal Palace. And then they asked for our name and our stateroom number. And they sat us at a table. And that is another big benefit of concierge is you have a, I mean, it's not a private lunch, but all concierge guests, there is a restaurant that is reserved for them to have lunch. If you're not a concierge guest, you either go up to Cabana's and fight at the, at the buffet, or you go to another one of the table service restaurants, but you know, everyone can go there. So it was really just simple to get there, sit down, had a menu, had a nice meal. There was like a Bon Voyage Sunday. And after that, it was like, they're like, your room's ready at 1230. I think for you, Leslie, your room should be, I, th- I think it'll be ready by like, you're, you're, you'll be able to go into your room when you get on the ship. Like if you get to the port at 130, you said, let's say you get on the ship by two two fifteen. I think your room will be ready, but it's like having all your luggage before, like, and just standing on the deck. It's it's just not a fun experience in my, in my opinion. 
Fingers crossed it works out for us. We'll see. I did check. We're boarding group 20, not E. E's the muster station. <laughs> wow, you have your muster station already? I, I already, you know, I'm like, it's been two weeks. I'm already forgetting everything. Mm-hmm. Now, like I said, we were led into the room at 1230. We got up there about one because that's when we finished eating lunch, which was a very nice lunch, um, by the way. And it was just really nice not having to worry about anything. Oh, and at that lunch is when the concierge team introduced themselves to us. And at that point, she was like, hey, are there any activities you want to add or take off? And so we did a little bit of tweaking there. And this is just really nice not to have to handle it yourself. But we went up to our room. And like I said, it was a one-bedroom suite, Leslie. So ask me anything. What are you curious about suite on a Disney Cruise Line ship? I haven't even paid attention to like know what the layout is. So I presume living room separated by door from bedroom, but that's like probably the base basics that I understand. Um, what about the bathroom? Yeah. So, I mean, you're right. It's it, in fact, it's, it's pretty cool. My kids were like way into this. And also I was like paranoid that they were going to smash their fingers at some point. It's not one door to the bedroom. It's like when everything is open, the living room, it's like an L and the bedroom is a square that completes the L like competes, completes the square. And that's where the master bed is, but there are privacy doors that also are L shaped. And so they go on both sides, right? Like, so two sides of that square, you can close off the privacy doors and those are sliding doors, which is why like my kids are like, Oh, they're like opening it, closing it, opening it, closing it. It's like, Oh my gosh, someone's going to get their fingers crushed. Right. And so, and then the living area is really nice. There's a couch. Um, there is a, you know, really important and i'll talk about why later there is a small dining room table like a circular dining room table with four chairs and then the veranda is actually a double veranda you know it's the size of two verandas for a normal room and then the bathrooms there's a huge master bathroom which is set up oh and everything like the trim is all nicer and it's more tile and hardwood than you know in the standard staterooms and that would be true for a regular veranda stateroom and concierge as well well, the bathroom, there's a big tub in there. I was, I was like writing this up and I was like, oh, there's no tub. But then I realized, no, it's like a, one of those whirlpool tubs. We never used it. All right. But there's a big bathtub there. So if you do have young kids, you can still use that. Two sinks in the master bathroom and they have the split shower and toilet like the majority of Disney Cruise Line staterooms have. But on top of that, there is a second bathroom, toilet and shower all together, but you know, third sink in there. So there's three sinks to be used, two toilets, two showers. Um, so it's, it's like having two rooms all in one, the suite. It's very nice. And there's a walk-in closet on the Disney dream. I mean, barely walk in, but you still can walk in there. It came with four robes, two adult, two kids. And then we asked for like a little tiny robe for the five-year-old. It was super cute slippers for everyone. We just talked about this in the miles to memories podcast, how we are, weird Asians who make everyone take their shoes off when they come to our house, but insist on wearing shoes where, or slippers when we're in a hotel room. Um, and so it was nice that they had slippers as well. Plenty of closet space, plenty of drawers, like there are drawers under the bed. So all the room that we could want. I mean, I guess the kind of most telling thing is that my wife who, you know, is always complaining about things Disney related and me spending money on Disney things, Disney related was like, this is like a really nice and comfortable room for our family of five. Like it really feels like the living spaces. <laughs> I think she was comparing it to our house at home, Leslie, um, you know, minor point of contention in the Boston household. prices, Boston prices, <laughs> the house that we live in and the size 
<laughs> of the house that we live in but it, it's just like well set up like we can be in common spaces together but like someone can be on the bed and really loved um just how the room was set up and it was very comfortable and never had any trouble like getting in each other's way what was the bed layout exactly I, do they sleep uh, up to five or do they sleep six so they sleep up to five. I found out just recently that the only suites, even like royal suites on the four older ships will only birth five. It's only on the wish now that they have mega suites that, I mean, they're the same size, but that have six beds, um, you know, because I think it's like you have to have the right number of beds and life jackets and et cetera, et cetera. It's like a safety thing. Um, six people would have easily fit in our room, but you can only fit five. And the way it works is the couch folds out into a queen sized sofa bed, which was actually quite comfortable. Um, I slept there most of the time. And then there's an extra Murphy bed that comes out of the wall. So like the only thing my kids were disappointed about was they really wanted to sleep in like a bunk bed. So they didn't get that. But other than that, um, it was pretty good. And if you're watching this on YouTube, um, I did take a video, although I realize I'm really bad at taking videos and I'll need to work on it. But one thing I found Leslie is like, it drives me nuts. It's like everyone takes videos of their rooms as soon as they walk into the room, but then you never see what the bed configuration is like, which is what I need to see when I am sailing in these beds, especially, you know, with a family of five, like, where does this extra bed come from? How cramped does it feel? Well, I took a video of the beds down. So, you know, you can see that if you want, even though what I've learned while editing some videos is that I walk too fast. So I need to slow down the video or whatever, but you know, at least you can see where the beds are, but super comfortable, really love the room. My wife also said you have ruined us and she yeah. may be right. Yeah. So now you, you have concierge level at the hotels and also now on the cruise, uh, she only does high end Disney now. All right. Well, I want to hear about the concierge lounge and just generally the service that you got. It sounded like it was pretty amazing. So fill everybody in as to what it entails. Yeah. So on the classic ships and the dream class ships, there are three concierge lounge attendants. They, like I said, help you book your excursions. They help you just do anything you need on the ship. Like I actually, I wanted to change the credit card on file. Instead of having to go down to guest services, you just do it in the concierge lounge. So it's very convenient because there's, you know, you don't have to wait in line or anything. Any questions that we had, like, you know, we hadn't been in concierge before. I wasn't sure how the whole cabana thing worked. I wasn't sure how anything worked. You know, they were very helpful about answering the questions. Uh, in the concierge lounge, they have a TV on that's like constantly on the Mickey Shorts channel. Leslie, I just need to take a little aside here and complain. I don't know if your kids are too old for this, but the amount of time my kids wasted watching these Mickey shorts, uh, which you can get on Disney plus at home. Okay. Kids like we have spent quite a large sum of money to be on this boat and they just want to sit on the couch or in the concierge lounge watching the Mickey shorts. And I know people really love the potato land one, but I was like, <laughs> kids calm down. So maybe it's channel 15. Okay. Don't let your son find Channel 15. I'm warning you he, right now. My kids would do that. They would usually be on at the check-in area at Aulani. And my kids, we would be dragging them away from the little kids, like the kids area where they wait while the parents check in in the line. And yes, it has the same effect on them there, even at age 13 and 9. I'm doomed. The thing that drives me the craziest is that they've watched them all before. 
But anyway, I digress. I digress. But the concierge lounge is very nice. They always have a little buffet set up, like depending on the time of the day. It's like club level at the hotels. Um, you can listen to our trip report last year in 2022 uh, for club level at Boardwalk. But at breakfast, it's only a continental breakfast. So actually, breakfast is what we utilize it the least. Um, I actually walk to Cabana's most mornings to get hot food for breakfast, although we would get our cereals and stuff like that, fruit. Um, actually, they didn't have that much. I was a little disappointed by how much fruit they had at breakfast at the concierge lounge. But, you know, cereals and continental breakfast type stuff we would get at the lounge and milk. But I would get hot food from Cabana's. Um, and then, you know, throughout the day, it's snacks and stuff like that. And then it becomes hors d'oeuvres in the evening. And then, um, oh, which uh, they had this cheese plate, which was like excellent. They had it every single night. Um, I got that every single night. And then they also have desserts later at night, although we had second dining. So I, I like, I may have never seen the desserts or just walk through. Alcohol starts getting served after 5 p.m. We aren't huge drinkers, but let me put it this way. If we had not had alcohol at the concierge lounge, um, and this is why I say you, you don't want to count up the money, right? You're never going to drink your way to the value of the extra money you paid for concierge. But for uh, my wife and myself, we we don't drink that much. I mean, we we would have a glass per day, and that is like more than we normally would drink in a month. Uh, at home. So it, it was nice to have though. And they had nice champagne, um, which they let you, you know, when you get the alcohol, you can walk wherever you want with it. So that's nice. I mean, that's one of the nice things about being on a cruise ship. To go booze. All right. Well, I know you use the concierge folks to book the cabana. So why don't we talk about the cabana? Yeah. Oh, one last thing I forgot. There is a sun deck on the Disney dream that is exclusive for concierge guests. Uh, we didn't use it at all. Um, I think sometimes there's a character meet up there. I don't know if I missed it or whatever. We didn't use it. And that sun deck, it's enclosed. So you get a lot of sun, but you don't get to see the ocean, which is the whole reason why I'm on a cruise ship. So we didn't use it. I will say the Wonder Concierge sun deck and also I think the Magic, I, I could see it, you know, and they could see the ocean. Those look much nicer to me. The Cabana, however, I would say that like if I was going to splurge on something on Disney Cruise Line, it would always be the Cabana. Uh, at this point, it was just so much more relaxing. So, you know, you have to take the tram with everyone. But then once you get to the tram stop on Castaway Key, they take you, you check in and they take you on a golf cart to your cabana. And then your cabana is like your own little oasis. Um, it's almost like having a private beach. Like there's 20 cabanas on the family beach. But even if everyone in those cabanas is on the beach, it just feels like you have the whole beach to yourself. The dreams in the background, uh, it's beautiful. The cabana comes with soda and water and like you can call if you need refills. Like you don't have to pick up your towels at the ship. Like they have the towels at the cabana. It's very close to the barbecue. So we just walked there to get food and brought it back. Although pro tip, uh, don't leave your food in the cabana because the finches will get to it. It was pretty crazy. Uh, bring it out to the beach or make sure you're like watching it. I came I came back and it was like Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds um, in the cabana. So that, that was a bad five minutes as I was shooing them away. And I had to go get more food. But it's just super relaxing. And it starts at $600 for up to six people. And then it's $50 more as you add people. If I had to splurge on something in Disney Cruise Line, I would happily splurge on the cabana again. And I think that... Again, you don't want to actually do the math, but it is close to being worth the money spent uh, on that. However, the tricky thing is cabanas are all booked up by concierge level guests 
jerks like me who are sailing concierge. Um, so if you don't get a cabana, people do cancel. So just keep checking back. Cause if you can get a, if I could trade selling concierge never again for the rest of my life and guaranteeing a cabana, like every single time I might make that trade. It, it was like that nice and relaxing experience. So if you have a friend sailing concierge, like our friends joined us on the sailing, but they didn't decide to do it until like six weeks before. So we invited them to the cabana and so we could share it together. So if you know someone in concierge, split the cabana with them. If we just split the cost, it was it ended up being like $400 per family. At $400 per family, like the cabana is almost like a no-brainer uh, of a deal. Um, so, oh, and the other thing to note is the cabana snorkeling gear is included, although the snorkeling lagoon was kind of lame. Um, bike rental is included, like floats are included and stuff like that. So those ancillary costs, uh, beach toys and stuff like that. So the ancillary costs, you don't have to worry about. Sounds amazing and it would really stink though to pay that extra price for concierge and not ultimately be able to get the cabana if you want one. I wonder how often that happens. I don't know if you have any idea. Cough. Disney wish. Cough. Disney wish. Oh. I think <laughs> I think yeah. I think I think on the older ships, pretty much if as long as you ask for it at 125 days or whenever the concierge team tells you to give the request. Like we got um and shout out again to Christy from DCL podcast, like she was like, oh, I like Cabana 13 or no, it's 14, 14. They don't have a 13 um, or 12, 12 or 14. It was 12. I like Cabana 12. And I was like, okay. So I just, I was, so I told them, I was like, can we get Cabana 12? And we got Cabana 12. I liked it because there was more shade there, especially in the morning. And I, I think that's why Christy likes it as well. So I think if you're on the older ships, it's not a problem. And the newer ships, there are like so many that like they, they, was it doubled, but they added like a lot more concierge rooms. And I think they have run into problems where like not everyone who wanted a cabana um, could get it. But if you're on dream, magic, wonder, fantasy, as long as you email in when um, the concierge team email asks you to, uh, you should be good to get that cabana. Got it. Got it. All right. Well, let's talk about Palo brunch, something else that your uh, concierge folks booked for you. Um, what was your experience? Yeah. I don't want to go too long on this. So I'll just say that Palo Brunch is great. The reason why I think it's a harder ticket is because it is really nice to be fine dining when it's light out and you can see the ocean. Remy was spectacular. We we ate at Remy and it was a better meal like food wise overall. But something to be said about being able to like gaze at the ocean in the bright Caribbean sun while eating. I think that's why Palo Brunch is harder to get. That being said, you don't need to be concierge to get Palo Brunch. I have always gotten Palo Brunch every time I wanted it. You can keep checking like maniacally on the app, or when you get on the ship, just go up to Palo, say, can I get on the wait list? And it's a pretty high success rate because people cancel all the time. And even though Palo Brunch is so popular, it was not full when we were there. So I'm sure if people had asked to get off the wait list, um, you know, it would have been no problem. Got it. Well, any other little things that you made use of as a result of being concierge level? Well, you know that I'm a popcorn fan. So if you're concierge level, I may not be able to drink my way to 50% extra value, but I may be able to eat along with my kids, eat enough popcorn to get to that value. Popcorn is included. You have to remind them that you're concierge, but at the places that sell fresh pop popcorn outside of the movie theaters, you say, I'm concierge, show them your card. They tap your card and they give you a bill, but the bill is for $0 um, every time. And on top of that, at least on the dream, there's like a hidden elevator. It's like a cast elevator 
down to the Walt Disney Theater for shows. And so they actually would sneak concierge, not sneak, but they take concierge guests down to the Walt Disney Theater before they open the doors to everyone else. Um, and they let you sit wherever you want. And when you get off that elevator, there's just like an entire cart of popcorn for you to just take as much as you want. So free popcorn on the whole cruise, plus priority seating at the shows. Well, the popcorn is definitely nice to have, but the priority seating is also nice to have. You know, we kind of got to choose to sit where we want. It's all, But it was like, it was almost like, I don't know where to sit. There's no one here. Like, I, I, it's tough to make these decisions. So we ended up deciding to sit like 10 rows back in the center. Um, although it might've been cool to sit like right up at the very front, but um, those were nice to haves and other miscellaneous things. And the other thing that I can't quantify and I don't know for sure is it is very obvious that you have a yellow or gold key to the world card. You mu We must have been treated differently. Like I said on the trip report episode, I was heard lots of experiences from people in our Facebook group that people were treated specially and they were not concierge. But I got to believe if you have a gold card hanging around your neck and it's showing, cast members treat you a little bit better. Sure. No, exactly. But I mean, that said, the level of Disney uh, service that everybody gets is usually pretty high. So you're not left out in the cold. All right. Well, final benefit of concierge I know was getting off the ship. So what happened with that? Spectacular. It's mm. just, it's like so much better than if I could get my kids up early enough, I would like try to be one of the first people off the ship because as soon as they clear the ship for express walk off, and we don't we don't send our luggage. We we keep it with us so we can just walk off with it. So at seven thirty, like that's when the time is to walk off because there's no line to tap you out with your key to the world card or whatever. Except if you're concierge. If you're concierge, whenever you're ready to go, they're like, Okay, we'll take you down. And Leslie did not realize this, but um do not use, at least on the dream and the fantasy and the wish. Do not try to use the Ford elevators if you are not a concierge guest because the concierge hosts, they, I, sorry, they're hosts. I call them attendants before. I should call them concierge hosts. They call the elevator and then when you get on the elevator, they use their special key so that it will not stop anywhere else. It takes you straight down to the deck where you're debarking. So if you're using those Ford elevators as like a normal guest, like anytime a concierge guest is going to debark, that's one less elevator for you to use. And when we debarked, there was like maybe four or five families. So we took up multiple elevators. So little uh, Disney don't there, don't use the elevators near the concierge level. I know on the Wonder and Magic, the rooms are all spread out all over the place. So it's a little bit different, but Dream, Fantasy, Wish, they're all in the forward, avoid the forward elevators on your way down while you're debarking if you're not in concierge. But we got down to the debarkation level and we just walked straight to the tap your key to get out place. It's like the opposite of getting into Disney world. You have to tap your key to get out. So they make sure that you paid your entire bill did make sure that I had a credit card on my bill this time. So they wouldn't stop me a plus learning there from last August. You can check out that trip report if you missed that and off the ship five minutes easy. And our friends were like, we were booked transportation with them. And I asked concierge, hosts and they were like they can't come down the elevator with you but if you pick them up in the atrium they can leave with you so they got to kind of ride our coattails almost literally out of the ship too so it was really amazing to just be off the ship and not worry about standing in line compared to that experience last august where it was just such a mess partially because of my own screw-ups 
um, it was super nice. So a really great way to end the ship and not have to worry about anything. And we were at Fort Lauderdale Airport by 9.30, and I found myself wishing I had booked the 10.30 flight instead of the 12. All right. I feel better about my 11.30 flight booking after my, my cruise. It should be, I mean, not concierge level, but yeah, I should you be able to get off. Where I said it was, <laughs> you we're walking off, though. The... We're not doing luggage oh, yeah, either. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you'll be good. Yeah. Yeah, that's the way to go. All right. So all in, worth it for you. Um, you know, are you going to do it again? How often will you do it again? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I think it depends on like what kind of trip you want to do. It is, I was, I was thinking about it and I was like, neither of them is monetarily worth it. But if I had to do one, would I prefer to do club level at the parks or on the ship? And it's tough to say because at the parks, club level gives you a place to rest and relax and unwind from like all the craziness of the parks. But on a ship, you're already relaxing, especially on one of these, you know, Bahamian cruises where like, you're not going to get out of Nassau and stuff like that. So it's like, do I need to be even more relaxed? And so it's kind of like a matter of, you know, what are you, what are you looking for? Now for us, I, I do really think, I mean, we, uh, and when I say we, I mean, especially my wife does not like big crowds. Um, and so it would have been a real concern with how packed the cruise was if we had not been concierge. Like, I think that just made it so there was basically no negatives to her entire experience. And, you know, you kind of, in some ways you can't put a price on that in the end, you know, whether it's worth it or not, it depends on like what kind of vacation you have. Cause I was thinking about it, like for Alaska, when we were like off the ship so much, like maybe it wouldn't have been uh, and the Alaska ones, by the way, I looked at some of those prices. Like, I don't think they start at 50% more. I think they start at a hundred percent more than non-concierge, even verandas, which are already crazy priced and Alaska on Disney Cruise Line. And so part of me is like, it's almost like the dream, which is like a simpler itinerary where we're just relaxing on the ship anyway. That was the time to do concierge because it just helped us to like have an even more relaxing experience. But that was just my family's experience. All right. I'm tempted, but going to be doing it like the regular folks uh, in, a, in 30 days. So we'll see how that compares. Once you get stuck in that line, Leslie, to debark the ship, even if you try at 7.30, let's say you get stuck in line, you're going to be like, oh, I'm going to sail concierge next time. Yeah, That's totally worth the, a few thousand dollars. <laughs> All right. Let's close it out with our traditional Disney do or don't. What do you have for us, Joe? Simple Disney do. I heard this a bunch of times. Um, the aqueduct, which is like kind of the water ride on the Disney dream and on the Disney fantasy. People were saying the best time to ride is while first dining is happening because most of the second dining people are at the show. All the first dining people are at first dining. That's when the lowest lines are. We did this twice. The first time we did it was on the first night. I think people were still excited about being on the ship. So actually the line was like 10, 15 minutes then. But on the last night, the aqueduct was essentially a walk on. Um, and so that was awesome. You know, we rode a three, four or five times and just kept going again and again. So if you really want to ride the aqueduct, do it during first dining, especially the back half of first dining, because people are getting ready for second dining or at the show or whatever. So that's my Disney do. All right. Sounds great, Joe. Sounds like a great vacation and ultimately worth it. for. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, we'd love to hear if you have any other questions about sailing concierge on Disney Cruise Line. Um, also shout out again, as always, to our friends at DCL Podcast. I think I'll be recording with them um, and talking about the cruise in general more so you can check them out thank you everyone for listening and other than that leslie thank you for taking the time to talk to me and i'll see you
<laughs> Stuck in lines on your on your normal cruise next month. Thanks, Joe. I'm a jerk. Totally a jerk.